When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess you get to meet like three different versions of mm. of Bix, or I think of every character. Um, but a lot yeah. happened to Bix mm-hmm. in season one. In season one, yeah. She took on a lot, didn't she? I mean, really. So oh, yeah. The result of what happened to her in season one is what you'll see. Is in what season you'll see two. in season two. The I mean, effect of all the trauma torture. and from all the torture, I think, and how she's sort of solving it in society, but also within within herself. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to another high-octane, action-packed installment of the Dagobah Dispatch, where it's all Star Wars all the time. Except, of course, when it, uh, it comes to breakfast cereals, like the one and only Cap'n Crunch. But we don't have time for such sugary delights this week because there is way too much to get to. We've got three, count them, three stars from Andor joining us. Denise Gao, Kyle Soler, and Adria Arjona will be with us. Yes, Cyril, Deidre, and Bix are in the proverbial house. And trust me, you do not want to miss this conversation. It's rowdy. It is raucous. We may or may not start discussing the finer points of the teenage closet kissing game, Seven Minutes in Heaven. The point is, you're going to want to check this one out. It's tons of fun. Speaking of fun, we are also going to get into our H.G. Wells time machine and travel all the way back to the year 1980, when a weekly variety program called The Muppet Show welcomed Mark Hamill and the stars of Star Wars as their guests. We will revisit that momentous occasion and get into some of the highlights from this meeting of the minds. All that, a bit of Star Wars news we'll hit on. It's all coming your way. I am Dalton Ross, joined by Devin Kogan, who is back from her vacation on Neomos, or however you pronounce it. Uh, Devin, how was the time off? It was actually really nice. I listened to a lot of um, uh, Neomos Club Mix by uh, Nicholas Bratel. That's, you know, my favorite vacation track. So, <laughs> no, but it was really nice. I, w- I went home to, to St. Louis and saw family and it was it was nice to unplug. But I'm very jealous. You had uh, our good friend Lauren Morgan back in my stead. And, uh, you know, it was a little mini reunion without me. I'm a little jealous. Yeah, you like how super stealthy that was. I didn't tell you about that at all. Uh, just sort of like snuck her in there. I was like, I don't, I got worried that Devin was going to sneak her in while I was out. So I sort of <laughs> put my claim in before she could, but Hey, you know, I didn't, I felt a little bad about, it, but then I didn't feel bad when you made time for Stellan Skarsgård while you're on vacation and not me. I was very hurt by that. That's true. I mean, he is the, the, you know, sort of um, founder of the Galactic Rebellion and Dalton, I love you, but you're not. I so know, I, I, I had to make a little time for him, I think. Fair play. He's got better <laughs> taste in wigs than I do too, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, so um, good. Well, to celebrate you being back, I'm actually going to do something that I don't think uh, has, has been done before on the Dagobah Dispatch. You hear that noise? You know what that is? Is that a Diet Coke? It's, it, no, it's not a Diet Coke, Devin. I don't drink oh, Diet that's Coke. That's my favorite. It's uh, it's uh, I'm I'm recording from the dot dash Meredith corporate offices here in in uh, New York City. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. 
and recording it late in the day because I've been busy in meetings and, and what have you. It's happy hour day, Devin. Wednesday's happy hour day oh. here at the office. The happy hour uh, location of the adult beverages is right pretty much next to the uh, podcast recording studio. So if you start to hear some <laughs> jubilation outside, that's what's going on. Maybe playing a little, I don't know what they're doing out there, if it's like beer pong or what, what have you. But anyway, I snagged a little beer here, a little brewski. Let me take a little sip. This is going to sound disgusting. Ugh. Ah, yeah. Ugh. That's the stuff. I'm not a beer drinker. Not for no, me. You're not. No. No. It's um. Love a canned cocktail, but what's your what's your beverage of choice? Then? I mean, I'll I drink a lot of wine. I like um. You know, like love a margarita, love a mojito, a, a gin and tonic. But I don't know. Um, I'll drink a cider if it's a you know a beer situation. Um, and I'll, I'll drink beer. You know, but it's it's not my my go to. So when you go a, a margarita, are you going frozen or non frozen? On the rocks. With salt. That's on the rocks. With salt. With salt. That's my go-to. Okay. okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I no, went to I, see I'm the Flash this weekend and had several margaritas oh, on the rocks. You needed with salt, some drinks. You needed some drinks to watch. <laughs> it was. It was a good experience. <laughs> well, you know what? That's a perfect segue, Devin, because Devin saw the Flash, and uh, Devin brought my attention to some Star Wars news that came out involving one of the stars of the Flash, Michael Shannon, back as Zod, and I guess there's a. Um, a new uh, interview he did with Empire Magazine, uh, you know, because he's in the new movie. And in it, he talked about turning down an undisclosed Star Wars role back in 2016. And why did he turn it down? He said, I'm always a bit wary about those giant movies because they take a lot of time and I don't find them very stimulating to work on. I don't ever want to get stuck in a franchise. BT dubs, dude, you're stuck in a franchise right now. <laughs> uh, I don't find them interesting and I don't want to perpetuate them. If I'm making something, I want there to be some kind of purpose to it. I don't want to make mindless entertainment. The world doesn't need more mindless entertainment. We're inundated with it. Devin, your thoughts about uh, Michael Shannon calling uh, Star Wars, uh, but not the DC uh, Cinematic Universe, mindless entertainment. Look, I have so many thoughts on this as um, potentially one of the number one fans of Michael Shannon. I love Michael Shannon. He's one of my favorite working actors. He is one of those guys where whatever he shows up in, whether he's a lead role or he's just like in some tiny character actor role, he always makes it weird and interesting and makes just like really smart, bizarre choices. He is never boring to watch. Um, I actively hate Man of Steel. I really hated The Flash. It's terrible. Um, but, you know, I'm, I hope Michael Shannon got paid. And that is what makes me happy. Um, you know, he's talked about these movies and been like, ah, I don't know why they asked me back. And I don't, I don't really know. I think he just shows up. He does his lines. He gets paid. And I'm honestly credit to him. I respect that. Um, but now I cannot stop thinking about what role he would have been cast in. So this was, he turned it down in 2016, um, right before, uh, right, right. That would have been pre last Jedi. So I'm curious, curious, sort of like what was kind of in the works then? Was it, you know, was he going to be in Rogue One? Was he going to be in last Jedi? Was he going to show up in, I don't know, solo or something? What are I'm, I'm trying to think where he would kind of fit into this because now I love what ifs. Um, and I'm very curious. What do you, what are your guesses, Dalton? Any, any thoughts? If he turned it down in 2016, it can't be Rogue One, which came out in 2016. Right. Or Last Jedi, which came out in 2017. Right. 
Like, I, I just don't think time-wise that works. So are we talking about Rise of Skywalker here? I mean, he could have given him the the Richard E. Grant role in Rise of Skywalker. That's maybe where he plays that, like, um, that Imperial officer. Um, that's my thought. Or if he was somehow involved in Solo, it, maybe the Woody Harrelson role. Um, those are the two that, that yep. come to mind for yep. me. What about, like, I don't have the, the timeline in front of me, Devin, but what about, like, any of these Star Wars movies that didn't happen? Like, the Game of Thrones guys were going to do, you know, a Star Wars movie or a trilogy. I can't remember at this point. There have been all these Star Wars properties. You know, we know Damon Lindelof at one point uh, who was talking about doing a Star Wars uh, thing, although that was later. But, like, there's all these Star Wars things that never happened with people. So it could be, could is it, like, is this too early for The Mandalorian? The Mandalorian came out in 2019. I don't remember when they started casting and writing it but potentially something like that maybe might be a little too early for that probably so i think it's probably rise of skywalker but like or solo that's the other one i think about right yeah that is the one because 2016 i mean jj wasn't back for rise of skywalker yet right so so he's not casting him in 2016 for that last movie God, is it Solo? Is it the Woody Harrelson character in Solo? Yeah, because principal photography, I'm looking it up now, began um, January 2017 for Solo, back when Lord Miller was still yeah. attached. Um, yeah. So m- that would be my guess, or maybe like the Paul Bettany role in, in- Well, the Paul Bettany role was Michael K. Williams, and that was originally an alien, almost kind of right. like CGI, so it wouldn't be that probably. That's right. Um, I mean, it could be. But uh, you know, before Michael K. Williams took it over, um, but it's it's if it if it's that movie, and I think you've narrowed it down well. If it's if it, it unless it's a project that never happened, right. and there are some of those floating out there, it's probably that movie, and it's probably that role because he's he was a big enough actor at that point that he it would be probably that that part, yeah. I would think so. That would be my guess. Um, I mean, unless they offered the role of young Han Solo to Michael Shannon, who that is just makes no an sense. adult man. <laughs> but you like, know what? New I- Chewbacca? Make him the new Chewbacca? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, would pay good money to see Michael Shannon as Han Solo and or Chewbacca. Now, now I want Michael Shannon to like, I don't know, voice a grumpy droid or something. It sounds like it'll never happen because he turned it down and he's, you know, um, he's an artist and I get it and I love him for it. But um, he is one of my I've never actually interviewed him, but one of my favorite things to do is read interviews with him because he's extremely chaotic. One of my all-time favorite interviews, it must have been, God, 10 years ago in like the Chicago Sun-Times or something. Um, It was some Chicago paper. I I forget which one. Um, But they were just asking him about his career and different things. And they asked him about working on Kangaroo Jack, that movie with like the rapping uh, kangaroo. And he gets real quiet and he just goes, man, that movie was so unsettling. I think that's what the devil is, a kangaroo that raps. And I think about that quote, Dalton, I kid you not, I think about that quote every goddamn day. (laughs) I love the fact that you're thinking about Kangaroo Jack every day. That's just incredible. I'm thinking about Michael Shannon thinking about No, you're thinking about Kangaroo (laughs) Jack. Jack. You can't stop. Go watch that. Anthony Anderson, I think. Is is that Jerry O'Connell? I I think think so, yeah. That's that's the dream team in that film. Yeah. Uh, And Michael Shannon. And I have two Michael Shannon stories. Um, I don't know if they're any good, but I'll tell you. But I think about them a lot, both of them. So in New York, uh, it's hard to sort of explain this, but I'll give you a, give you, trying to give you the, the gist of it. Um, you're in Times Square. First off, I apologize for putting you in Times Square. It's just a terrible place terrible to be. Terrible place. 
it's chaos during like Russia. So at the end of the day, it's chaos sort of walking down to Port Authority. There's too many people walking, or maybe they're walking down to Penn Station. The point is you have all these people that are heading down to Port Authority or Penn Station that are walking down 8th Avenue, and there's there's too many people for the sidewalk. So there's this kind of narrow strip where you know some people that want to walk faster to pass all the slow pokes on the sidewalk, i.e. me, who have no patience whatsoever, you can walk on this kind of really sort of narrow strip right next to the sidewalk, but then not be in the lane of traffic. So it's a little dicey, Devin. It's, it's, there's room for like one person to walk either up or down. I'm an aggressive walker, like annoyingly <laughs> aggressive walker. Like my stride is strong. I don't waver. So I'm walking downtown, right? If there's someone walking up, I look so confident that person's going to move. They'll, they'll hop up on the sidewalk. They know that I'm not going to move. I'm, it's just not going to happen. I'm intractable. I am the immovable object. <laughs> Every day I would do this. So one day I'm walking down and there's a guy walking up and I'm like, all right, here we go. And, I, and then he's not moving. And I'm like, I'm not moving. As he gets closer, I realize it's Michael freaking Shannon. <gasps> and I'm moving closer and he, basically it's a game of chicken. And I'm like, now it's like in Footloose where they have the game of chicken on the tractors where they're going really slow towards each other. And finally the other dude jumps off and Kevin Bacon wins. Well, basically Michael Shannon was Kevin Bacon. Like I like the only time ever in my life, I was like, this dude's not moving. <laughs> like there's no way he's like, and so it, at the last minute I dipped up on the curb or else I would have literally run straight into Michael Shannon's uh, chest. That is story number one. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks story, so much. Yeah. He is, he oh is an immovable he, object. The intensity on I mean, it is insane. Um, story number two. So I had this serious XM radio show for eight years and we'd have lots of celebrities come in and they would do, do we do our little interviews with them. And then usually afterwards we'd take a picture with them for like, you know, promotional purposes and the station could tweet it out or put it on Instagram or whatever. So after you, know, you get done, you're like, oh, hey, let's, let's grab a picture. I was like, oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So I'm doing the interview. It's myself, Jessica Shaw, my co-host and Michael Shannon. I don't remember what project he was in for. Uh, something really bad, I sort of feel, but whatever, he's there. He's captive for like 15 to 20 minutes. We have Michael Shannon. We do the interview. It goes well, actually. Like, I know he's a weirdo. So like, you know, I, I, I sort of, uh, you know, tailor the interview to that, those aspects. And we have a good interview. He's perfectly nice. I'm, I was kind of worried about it going in. You don't know how it's going to go, but he was great. So do the interview. Like, all right, let's take a picture. That's when everyone stands up and you take a picture. So he's like, all right, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. But he won't get out of his chair. He refuses to stand up for the, for the picture. So. He's sitting in the chair and I'm kind of like over his left shoulder and Jessica's over his right shoulder. It's the most awkward celebrity photo you've ever seen. Oh, and he won't smile. My God. He won't smile in the photo. He's just like super. In it's that same intensity <laughs> on 8th Avenue. <laughs> He's staring at the camera and we're behind him and we're kind of cracking up because it's so awkward. So Jessica and I, you can imagine us. We're kind of like, I am now. We're just sort of like laughing at it. And he is just dead serious stone cold sober looking at the at the at the camera and it was so funny that at the end of the year we did a uh, an awkward celebrity photo calendar 
We took all our most, and that was like number one was the photo yes. of us with Michael Shannon. I'll have to dig it up and oh send my it God. to you. It's hysterical. I want that framed. I'm going to put it on my on my desk yeah. here in the in the EW office. That is incredible. I have so many friends who've had stories of random Michael Shannon run-ins on the street. He's like always around Brooklyn, like walking around on his flip phone. Apparently, he has a flip phone. Um, he's like a, he's like a Bigfoot. He's like a cryptid. You just like I know so many people who have Michael Shannon sighting stories, which I love so much and i'm so jealous i would love to have a michael shannon encounter in the wild what a weird man i love him so much and you know hey maybe someday we'll get him in the star wars universe it doesn't sound like yeah but yeah we loved him until he started bad mouthing star wars then like i'm not so much with anymore but like hopefully he'll uh he'll he'll, uh you know change his tune they'll put a pile of money in front of him (laughs) um all right Let's get into the topic du jour. And just a reminder, we've got a little bit later, we have my Andor interview with Denise Gao, Kyle Solar, and Adria Arjona, and it's it's wild. So, so you're gonna you wanna you're definitely gonna wanna stay tuned for that. If had there been an awkward photo afterwards, it would have been it would have been incredible. Um, we're gonna take a look back at Mark Hamill and the stars of Star Wars when they were the guests on the Muppet Show. This is two of Devin's favorite things in the world, Star Wars and The Muppet Show. They collided True. on February 20th, 29th, a leap year day, Devin, February 29th, don't get that often, once every four years, 1980. Mark Hamill, Peter Mayhew, um, Anthony Daniels, all showing up on, Star, on, uh, on The Muppet Show. Uh, we'll get into what happened. We'll play some clips from what happened. Devin, I know you're such a huge Muppet Show fan, perhaps as big as Star Wars even. So tell me your reaction when you first saw this episode. Oh, I mean, this episode was a huge part of my childhood. I, If you are a Muppet Show fan, this is one of the all-time greats. It is ridiculous and fun. And I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I... So I was born too late for the original Muppet show. But when um, I was a little kid in the 90s, um, on the days when my mom was at work and my dad stayed at home with me and he was like, he had to go vacuum or whatever, he would plot me in front of the television. Um, And at that point, Nickelodeon was doing reruns of the Muppet show like all the time. And so whereas a lot of kids grew up on Sesame Street, which I also watched a lot of growing up, um, but I grew up on the Muppet show. And so it was a huge, huge part of my childhood and basically like informed my sense of humor. Um, my first dog was named Kermit. I mean, it's a whole whole thing for me. Um, and one of my all-time favorites was the Mark Hamill episode, because here was the intersection of two of my favorite things in the world, Star Wars and the Muppets. And it is such a weird, fun, interesting episode. Um, I love the Muppet show because they had the absolute greatest and weirdest celebrity guests. People, you know, from the 70s that you and I today have never heard of. And then, um, you know, big, enormous stars uh, of, of the time. One of my favorites is the the Rena Moreno episode is incredible. She won an Emmy for it. Um, I love the Julie Andrews episode a lot. Uh, Elton John is a standout. I mean, anybody, everybody came through the Muppet show. Um, but the Mark Hamill one is particularly fun because it came out three months before Empire Strikes Back. So this was, you know, original Star Wars fandom. I mean, this was around, you know, we we talked a lot about the Christmas special on, on a past episode of, of this show. Um, and this is sort of an, another example of like Star Wars, you know, pre-Empire Strikes Back kind of fandom um, and just kind of having fun with it. And oh man, it is so much fun. Mark Hamill's the best. I love this episode. 
Yeah, he goes 110%. And what's interesting about it is, you're right, it comes out a few months before Empire, and he's wearing Empire outfit. He's oh, wearing yeah. like his Luke's Empire clothes, which is kind of interesting now if you watch it beforehand, because you're like, oh, what is this weird outfit he's wearing? Uh, this isn't what I, he wears in the movie. Well, that's what he wears in the next movie. I was a huge Muppet Show fan when I was a kid. My mom loved Miss Piggy. And of course, I was of the age to, to enjoy the Muppet Show. And you're right. It's like, all the episodes are on Disney Plus. I, I have them on DVD because I'm a loser. I do too. And um <laughs> and uh, I, I love the Steve. I'm, I always give a shout out to the Steve Martin episode because it's so weird. It's basically like they're not performing the Muppet Show. They're doing auditions to perform on the Muppet Show. So there's actually no laugh track on the episode. It's just the actual laughter here is actual. The just like the puppeteers uh, laughing and stuff. And it's just a bunch of auditions happening on an empty stage in an empty theater. It's just wild. Um. So. This is great. And so basically the plot of it is, I mean, plot, <laughs> is that Mark, uh, excuse me, Luke, Mark shows up later. First is it's, first it's Luke. Uh, that's a whole thing. Luke Skywalker, C-3PO, and R2-D2 uh, blast through. They're not supposed to be the host. It's supposed to be Angus McGonagall. The Argyle, the Argyle Gargoyle. Gargoyle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's supposed to host, but then they blast through. They're searching for Chewbacca, who's been kidnapped. They've received a hyperspace telegram saying he's being held hostage, quote, by a bunch of weird turkeys. Uh, so that's that's what they're doing there. They're searching for uh, Chewbacca and then, of course, get caught up in, 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 all, in all the madness. Uh, eventually, uh, at some point, like, I, you know, they're asking Luke what he can do. And he's like, I, I don't do that. But like, then Mark Hamill, sh- do, you, do you remember, how does that happen? Like, he, rec- oh, he recognized, Fozzie recognizes Luke Skywalker as Mark Hamill. Right. And Luke says, oh, no, that's my cousin. Right. Yes. So he says, no, that's my cousin. Um, Basically, uh, since they don't have a host, Kermit is like, well, can Luke, can you sing and dance and do variety show stuff? And he says, absolutely not. But, you know, who you should get my cousin, Mark Hamill. And so we see Luke Skywalker walk off stage and come back in in normal street clothes and be like, hey, a a sweater vest. He's got a sweater vest. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, hey, I'm Mark Hamill. How's it going? And one of my favorite parts of the um, of the episode is is near the very beginning. and, And. Kermit and Fozzie are sort of asking Mark, like, well, what do you do? Do you have any talents? He sings. He's a terrible singer. He dances. He's a terrible dancer. But he says, hey, I'm pretty good at impressions. Oh, we, we, we've got the clip. Let's oh, play it. Let's, let's play, play it. it. Here, here's Mark Hamill, uh, you know, trying to, to uh, sell his talents to Kermit and Fozzie. Hiya, Fozzie. Oh, wow. Hey, you know what? You can be the guest on this very show, right, Kermit? Oh, well, uh, maybe. Uh, what do you do, Mark? Oh, well, well, you know, I've been uh, known to do impressions. Hey! Uh-huh. Who do you do? Oh, well, I just love impressions. Ah! No, oh, I just love doing them. Ah! Terrific! Who do you do? <sighs> oh, it's so good. And so, I mean, this is night February 1980. I think they filmed it in January. So at this point, you know, Mark Hamill had spent the last several months working with Frank Oz quite closely on Empire Strikes Back, um, obviously. Uh, and Jim Henson was there too. And and so he got to know these guys pretty well. And so I he's got a pretty good Kermit and Fozzie impression in his back pocket. And that sort of sets the stage for, you know, Mark Hamill's future career as, you know, one of our great voice actors. So it's just I I love this moment. It's so stupid and I love it. It makes me laugh every I, time. 
I love it too. And it's so cool too. Like you just said, looking at in retrospect and like what his career became and all the success he had as a voice actor and doing the Joker and all those other characters uh, and getting a little taste of it right here. You know, it's, and, and the Yoda connection is what made this all happen, which is so, which is uh, so cool. Um, so yeah, he, he does some impressions. He tries to sing. It doesn't go well. He'll sing later and we'll, we'll play you a clip of that a little bit, a little bit later. Uh, the, the, before we get into some of the other, uh, I want to get into the other big scenes with with Mark Hamill and the, the stars of Star Wars. Any thoughts on the the? There's a bunch of non Star Wars performances, right? Like you got, uh, you got there's a there's a bunch of fish singing at one point. Uh, there's the 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 sheep, right? There's like the sheep and shepherd singing Rama Lama Ding Dong, and then you got Scooter, who's singing uh, a song Six String Orchestra. He's in his attic with a signed Luke Skywalker poster, but he also has like pennants for Yale, Harvard and, and Columbia. So I don't know if he's just a Ivy league fan or what's going on there, but he sings with the members of electric mayhem. What do you make of all these different uh, non-star Wars uh, segments? Oh, these are all pretty fun. I mean, like in the, like the pantheon of great Muppet sketches, I, I wouldn't say any, any of these are sort of near the top, but they're super fun. I specifically love the, the scooter one. Scooter's always been one of my favorite characters. Um, but that's the thing I always love about The Muppet Show is that, like, it truly is a variety show in, in sort of the classic throwback sense where, you know, eh, one sketch is OK and one sketch is hilarious and becomes iconic. And the next one is like, you know, and and that you I feel like you this is a great if you've never watched The Muppet Show before, I think the Mark Hamill episode is a great intro to sort of the style and how it works and sort of the the sort of chaotic energy to it. And so, you know, I think for me, the standout of this episode is definitely the Mark Hamill stuff. but um. There's some fun, some fun things sprinkled in throughout. He go, he is like super into it. Like he is like, like it's crazy. Like, oh, like really super expressive. Like it's, 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 I mean, you know, he's not playing too cool for school. That's for sure. <laughs> I do always say I I was watching this episode, you know, in preparation for this, this podcast, you know, I, I wanted to rewatch parts of it. And I just sat there thinking, can you imagine if they asked Harrison Ford to do this? Oh my God. <laughs> would have he like he would have he would have been so annoyed and not here for it and just would have been so flat and uh but meanwhile mark hamill is having the time of his life and it makes me so happy i think after the star wars holiday special harris moore was like don't ever ask me to do anything ever again in fact kill me off in one of these movies which we know he wanted to be killed off and yeah you know, there's no way he would have come anywhere within 100 feet of a, of a Muppet. There's no, there's no doubt about it. All right. So then we get to the, the big the big scene. And the big scene is, of course, actually, this was my favorite recurring sketch. My favorite character on the Muppets was, was Animal. But my favorite recurring sketch was Pigs in Space. Uh, Pigs in Space, obviously inspired by Star Wars and how huge Star Wars became in 1977. And, uh, you know, obviously you've got Captain Link Hogthrob and Dr. Strange Pork and, of course, Miss Piggy always in adventures on the swine trek. Uh, their, their, their spaceship. And basically in here, the Star Wars people have hijacked the swine track. And, um, Miss Piggy at one point comes out and sees it's, that's Luke Skywalker. So then she goes back to change and then she shows up dressed as Princess Leia. And, uh, and then this is what happens. Princess. Yes, yes, I have just escaped from an evil fiend who held me prisoner. Oh. <laughs> well, the evil fiend must feed his prisoners well. What? 
Well, uh, what I mean is it looks like you've put on... Uh... <laughs> Look, Skywalker. Go along with this or I'll cut you in half. <laughs> Look, it's the princess. <laughs> Doesn't look like a princess to me. Watch it, hardware. So what's up with the Luke Skywalker, like kind of fat shaming Miss Piggy? Uh, rude. <laughs> what is that Very rude. Uh, I know. Not, not the evil polite must, must feed his prisoners well. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I just, I love thinking about that scene and realizing, you know, that's Frank Oz. That's Yoda and yes. Luke Skywalker having a conversation again, but just as Miss Piggy. And, and you can tell there's, they have a chemistry there that's so fun and ridiculous and like just a comedic chemistry and, and man. The best, so good. Yeah, and Link Hogthrob always asking him for his his, uh, his tailor suit size. Yeah, <laughs> who's your tailor? And then and then of course the the evil dastardly uh, villain is Darth Nader, who's clearly uh, who's clearly Gonzo Devin. It's true. It's a it's a pretty neat piece of costume design where they've got like Gonzo's nose attached to the Darth Vader mask. Um, it's it's pretty great. So, so they 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 land on some planet, and then I don't. I, I love. I'm giving like a plot description of like what happens in the pigs in space. Uh, Very serious uh, stuff, Dalton. Uh, like, I know. Uh, all I, all I know is that like Chewbacca shows up to save them from Dearth Nader, but then the Argoil Gargoyle comes out, and then for some reason they're saved by like a song and dance number. Like Chewbacca is doing some really super porter. Peter Mayhew's doing some really awkward dancing. And then C-3PO does like a soft shoe. Uh, Devin, uh, what's going on there with all the dance I mean, he says, you know, I once saw a Fred Astaire movie. And so, you know, I guess they got Fred Astaire in space. I mean, hey, they have Christmas in space and Santa. And as we know, you know, from the the holiday album, C-3PO is is quite knowledgeable. So he's also an expert on Fred Astaire, it seems. And we see him do a little bit of a, a little bit of a tap dance, which, you know, because he's in the C-3PO outfit, isn't quite so fluid and is more of just kind of like awkwardly twirling um, and like clanking around. <laughs> but, you know, uh, shout out to Anthony Daniels. He really gives it his all. It's got to be hard in that suit right oh, that yeah. robot suit it can't be easy i can't tap dance in normal clothes i can't imagine trying no. to tap dance in a tin can i can't any kind of dance <laughs> i mean so he's already like one up on me well he's not the only one then so then then they asked luke skywalker to sing and dance he's like i can't do it but my cousin can so the, the whole episode basically ends with mark hamill singing when you wish upon a star i'm not making this up, and if you don't believe me, listen to the evidence. So as they're doing all that, a giant like Disney castle rises in the background. <laughs> and keep in mind, this is 
30 years before Disney bought Lucasfilm. So I'm not sure why this it turns into an ad for the wonderful world of Disney all of a sudden on The Muppet Show. But that's what that's how it ends, Devin. I think they just sort of picked, they were like, okay, what songs have the word star in the title? Because they sing this <laughs> one and at some point, like they kick things off by singing You Are My Lucky Star, which is, you know, you hear it in Singing in the Rain. There's like, it's like basically just like, you know, we we don't have anything Star Wars themed, but we can do things that have the word star in them. Um, and man, just shout out to Mark Hamill for always being game and having a great time. And he's talked about having a, having a blast on, um, you know, recording this, this episode. Um, because apparently people still ask him about it, you know, Muppets fans and crazy people like us who love it. Um, so it, it just makes me so happy. If they just waited a few years, they would have like, they could have done lucky star by Madonna uh, Baby, I'm a star by Prince. They would have had like a lot more options. There you go uh, to go in there. But but you're but you're so right. That's the thing that I really take out of it now as an adult watching it is that just the utter joy that Mark Hamill is having doing this. Like it's it's there's no world probably then where like this was a cool thing to do probably. But like and you say there's no way Harrison Ford would have done it. Kind of would have liked to see Billy D. I know, I know, Lando hadn't hadn't uh, debuted yet at this point, but uh, that would have been pretty sweet. But he uh, he's just loving it. He's just having the best time. He's like a little kid in a candy shop. And it's interesting, you know. You hear from a lot of these like really acclaimed actors, and most of them have all said the same thing. They're like, I some of the best co stars I've ever worked with were Muppets. Like, um, <laughs> we just did uh, our colleague Maureen Lenker just did an incredible video interview with Brett Goldstein um, from Ted Lasso, um, who is one of the world's biggest fans of the Muppets. He's obsessed with the Muppets, like never shuts up about it. Um, so we got him together with the with with the Muppets to talk about the Muppets Christmas Carol, which is one of his favorite movies of all time. And he was like, Maureen just says he was like a little kid meeting his idols. He's You don't feel like, oh, I'm meeting the actor who's playing Kermit. You're like, no, I'm meeting Kermit the Frog and he's right here in front of me. Um, Danny Trejo has like said the same thing and just been like, oh my God, the best co-star I've ever worked with is, you know, um, is Kermit the Frog. And And there's something really, you know, I think if you kind of give yourself over to the experience and be like, yeah, I'm going to make a variety show with talking animals and puppets. Like that's got to be I mean, there's no better gig in Hollywood. It's got to be the most fun you can have. You know, we, we, I, I had the, uh, some of the Sesame Street Muppets <sighs> on, um, on the radio once. And so I was, you know, we had them on and like the, so the puppeteers, like when we have them on the radio, it's radio, right? So like, they're not hiding under the table. They're just, you know, they're sitting in the seats and they're holding it. So you can see the puppeteers are right in front of you. And Devin, I still like felt like I was like the, the Muppet was an actual, living entity if that makes oh, yeah. any sense like like once you get like a minute two minutes into it you are looking and talking right to the muppet you're like you feel like that's the person talking back to you it's the weirdest experience yeah there's one of my favorite um i think it was on johnny carson it was um jim henson with kermit you know just them sitting together and you know you see jim henson and you see him moving his mouth as he's you know having but he's having a whole conversation with kermit together and it just it literally you're like those are two separate entities who are having a conversation and they are friends and here they are on this talk show. Like the way there's something really magical about the way like those performances work. And I mean, to tie it all back into Star Wars, that's part of why I am such a huge advocate for um, practical effects and Puppet Yoda. That was my first exposure to the difference between, you know, practical effects and sort of CGI. And I think we see that so clearly in the prequels where Obviously, you have Frank Oz's voice doing Yoda. You know, you have him, you know, he's he's a presence there. But there's a difference when 
you have like an actual practical, you know, character and on the set for people to react to. And I think, you know, we always talk about how great Yoda is in Empire Strikes Back. And I think honestly, a lot of the praise goes to Mark Hamill for being such an incredible scene partner and just fully committing to being like, I am sharing a scene with Yoda. He is my fellow actor and we're going to, you know, give it absolutely everything. And I think that's part of why those scenes still look so good 40 years later um, is because there is sort of like a a real element of believability and it it comes through in the performances. So. Great point, Devin. It's a great point. I love that movie so much in those scenes and and you're a hundred percent right that Mark Hamill is, is, and we always talk about Frank Oz and Yoda, but you're right. Hamill, a huge part of those, of those scenes. Uh, anything else you want to say about this episode of The Muppet Show in general uh, before we uh, get to our interview? Uh, just that I love The Muppet Show. And if you're not familiar with it, it's on Disney Plus right now. And you can – we did something on on um, uh, EW.com actually with Lauren Morgan before she left, sort of ranking some of our favorite sketches and sort of intros and things. So if you're if you're looking to, to dive your toes in, I, I hi- highly recommend looking it up because for a long time – Muppet Show was not available. I mean, you could find it on DVD, um, but for a long time, it was very hard to access because of music licensing and different rights and and clips and things. Um, So for it all to be restored and in pretty good shape on on Disney Plus is pretty great. Um, We just found out that our producer, Sammy, Sammy Junio, has like no attachment to the Muppets and has no knowledge of the Muppets. So that is something I'm going to write them a list. Here's all the things you need to watch, starting with the 79 movie, moving on to the Muppet show, moving on to, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol, Great Muppet Caper, all of it, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't, I'm just like, I don't don't even know where to begin. I still go like, Sammy told us that like like two seconds before we started recording. I was so thrown. I almost had to cancel the recording session. I just can't focus (laughs) after they told us that. It was terrible. Uh, going to give a shout out also to the Alice Cooper and Vincent Price episodes Ooh, of the Muppet Show. Great. I like any sort of like spooky stuff like that, and and I'm a big Alice Cooper fan too. So that works. And then Debbie Harry, only because she, Debbie Harry was my first crush. Nice. Debbie Harry was my first huge crush, and um, with good reason. A great, uh, so yes, yeah, go go enjoy all those Muppet Show episodes. They're so worth it. Uh, totally agree. All right, uh, listen, if uh, you're ready to have some fun, we have uh, the interview for you. I sat down with Denise Gao, Kyle Soler, and Adria Arjona, who play Deidre, Cyril, and Bix on Andor. And the whole thing went a little off the rails in the most wonderful way. way. These, these three were such a blast. I hope you have a blast listening to it. It's coming up right after this super quick break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
Let's get right down to it. Um, oh, Jesus. Do you think Cyril actually has a shot with Dedra? And I'm not talking about a job. Do I think Cyril has a shot with Dedra? <laughs> Look, I mean... You should really be asking me that question. But, you know. Exactly. <laughs> the, man, the man has delusions of grandeur, <laughs> which are not just located solely in the workspace. <laughs> Good um, I think anybody would be lucky enough to even sit across the table as someone as incredible as Dedra Miro. I disagree. <gasps> you, to- you tortured me. I sat oh, yeah, in front true. of you. True, true. That's I like enough. you, not Dedra. <laughs> Torture is a strong word in this context. Yeah, I mean, she did information. Nice. You were being a bit... Why am I with these two? Yeah. I don't know. Some Who say put us together? together? But I think you're outnumbered and I'm okay yeah. with that. <laughs> we really put a, should have put you sitting in the middle. I know. <laughs> we both be like that. I've got high hopes for Cyril. I've got, I've got, I believe in him. I think he doesn't stop uh, until he gets what he wants. So I'll put it that way. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? You say whatever you want. Are you asking me now? Yes, D- Denise, your, your rebuttal. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We just have to see how he behaves himself. Now, I don't know. I don't know even what I can, what answer I can give you about whether I think Cyril can get with Dedra. Oh, could anyone get with Dedra? Could Dedra get with Dedra? Dedra gets with Dedra. <laughs> yeah, maybe Believe that's the thing. you me. <laughs> Let, let's talk about where yeah, your please. characters are when we start season two. Like, wh- how are they different? What's happened? Where? What's their journey in season two? I know you can only say so much, but Adria, let's start with you and, and Bix. Um, I think Bix in season two, well, when we first left Big Soft in season one, she was in a really dark and sort of tortured place, thanks to this woman right here. <laughs> thanks to me. Thanks to that woman. Um, and so by the time that season two comes along, um, I think you'll see her, I think you'll see a lot of, I don't even know what I can say, but I, what I will say is that throughout the season, I think all of our characters evolve because there's so much time There's like a time gap in between every sort of couple episodes. So this season, for me, it's super interesting because I get to grow with sort of Bix and sort of be like, okay, now we left season one. It's been how long season two sort of starts and and how how has she sort of grown from everything that she's been through. And that continues to happen throughout the entire season. So I I guess you get to meet like three different versions of of Bix or I think of every character. But a lot yeah. happened to Bix mm-hmm. in season one. In season one, yeah. She took on a lot, didn't she? I mean, really. So oh, yeah. The result of what happened to her in season one is what you'll see is in season two. Is what you'll see two, in season two. The I mean. effect of all the trauma torture. and from all the torture, I think. And how she's sort of solving it in society, but also within within herself. Mm. Thanks, girl. I think, yeah, it's pretty amazing what you're saying about how there's a year gap even before we even start season two. So these characters have progressed so much from when we last saw them. And then each character does have about three different versions Mm -hmm. that they wind up continuing to grow through and towards. Cyril is on his kind of journey to trying to reach the upper echelons of the Bureau of Standards. And... um, trying to see whatever happens from that little moment in the Star Wars cupboard 
at the uh, end of season one. Seven, what is it? Seven seconds in the closet or something? Se- that's the title of my autobiography, which will be out pretty soon, actually. And there's a game um, in America. You guys, at, at, when you're in school, don't you play a game where you go in a closet with somebody for seven seconds? Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've heard of that. Seven minutes. Seven, seven, seven minutes in heaven. That's a really long time to be stuck in a closet seconds with someone. With what happens when you're in yeah. the closet? Yeah, well, that's up you, to, it's up to you. The two of you to decide oh, and yeah, yeah. negotiate and ask for consent. Always ask Always. for consent, unless for you're consent. dead, Ramiro. Uh, you can do whatever the <laughs> hell you want. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, what's up with Dedra then when we start season two? A year okay. later. Well, the repercussions, right, of, of what happened at the riot. So she's going to have to, you have to figure out what happens to her after that <laughs> because you see her at her weakest at the end of the se- of season one she's still on her journey of wanting the world to be far more ordered than it is total universal control thank you carl yeah. this is why we always do junkets together because he helps me <laughs> with the answers well what's Denise, what sort of reaction do you get to dedra because it's interesting because she she <laughs> on one hand she's very good at her job and she has to deal with a lot of incompetence uh, people at her job. I think that's relatable to people. But then again, there's the whole fascism thing. So like, yeah. what sort of... Well, it was interesting at the beginning of the season having like, there was the whole, you know, go girl thing. And I was so excited that that was going to be turned on its head when, you know, I'm torturing another woman, especially. Um, but mostly the reaction is, there's a lot of middle-aged men who like Dedra. I'll leave it at that. I get a lot of, and I, I get a lot of women sending me like footage of themselves dressed as Dedra walking in and out of rooms and drinking coffees, which I find inspiring inspiring yeah. and unnerving. But then the Dedra in me wants to point out that the costume is not the right color and it really bothers me. It's not stone. They wear white costumes. Who has a more crisp costume, uh, Cyril or Dedra? Because they're both very... Oh, but this is why I think they've they found each other, right? Yeah. The t- we said it last year, the tailoring, man. Yeah. They're both is, pretty perfect. It's my spiritual ta- tailoring soulmate. Totally. Um, like when he says it in the show about the tailoring, when I was in my fitting, I was saying, oh, it needs to be tailored. And, and Michael Wilkinson, who's our genius costume, super, uh, costume designer, said, oh, my God, I can't believe you've just said in real life what Cyril says in the show, and I knew we were going to be just fine. He had all his costume tailored. Yeah. Meant to be. Meant to be. <laughs> but what is it meant to be? Adria, um, by the end of season one, Cassian is now all in on the rebellion. What about Bix? Well, I think everything that sort of happens to Bix sort of just makes her lean in so much more, I think. I think there's an anger that I hope builds in in Bix, really, you know, whether it's revenge, whether it's um, sort of closeness with with Cassian because he saved her. Um, I, re- I again, I, it's a tricky it's a tricky way to answer that, but I think I think of course she has to lean in. She's always she's always been a part of it, um, and I think by episode nine of season one you know it was obvious someone must do something um so i think so 
I helped her so much. Yeah, you really you know did. What I mean? You gave me the fire I that I needed. Pushed you over that edge to yeah. help the yeah. transformational yeah. process. Yeah. Sisters, <laughs> Do I, is this where I say thank you? Yeah. Thank Pretty you much. for torturing me. Yeah, it's like a therapy session, right? Yeah. But like in reverse. It's good. <laughs> Last question. Has Kyle shared his space cereal with either of you? Oh, that space cereal. When Sounds I went like in. Sounds like a euphemism, doesn't yeah, it? Gross. <laughs> I can't wait. I honestly did go into that apartment when I was on set and I could not believe. I mean, the attention to detail. So when I saw the show and I saw what a part he has made of that space cereal it's so good when you pick up the one you just look at it yeah they it's taste pretty, pretty incredible it's it's like is it 14, like cocoa pops it's like 14 gobstoppers in your mouth all at the same time <laughs> and um gives you a lot of energy yeah. <laughs> let's put it that Kyle way that is high most of the time most of the time just on the cereal <laughs> yeah. um i just pop them backstage just when i need a hit <laughs> i actually receive quite a lot of cereal do um, you yeah People think that that's the thing. I don't get any presents. What yeah, cool. like what would Cyril's, they give Big Cyril's Cocoa Puffs. We need to find something that we do in season two that get us presents. Presents. I'm going to wear Gucci a lot. Start eating things. <laughs> like, yeah. Gucci, Dior. Dedra's really into like top Diamonds forward. now. <laughs> yeah. All of that, got all the these. The Big is just like yeah, yeah, rocking yeah. all these diamonds. Like Dedra's in <laughs> Tiffany blue all the time. Must be Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to get that free stuff. That's awesome, guys. Our thanks to Denise Gao, Kyle Soler, and Adria Arjona for hanging out with us this week. And thank you for hanging out as well. If you have just 30 seconds, please, please, please follow and rate and review the podcast. We'd really appreciate it. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Cogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Cogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Executive produced by Chanel Johnson. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.